You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. This is Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Another week in Adelaide, and welcome to Sports ASA. Paul Bonzer with you, and alongside me, Brett Ma, champion 36er. Welcome, Marzi. Thanks, Bonz. Good to be here again. This is uh, becoming a regular little thing. Yeah, no, I like it. I'm good. We're just rolling through the hosts every few days, and I'm just the constant that's always here <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why. But, uh, no, it's great to have you back on the show, and you can be part of the show as well. You can dial in on the Weeks Open Line, discover exceptional customer service, Weeks Homes, discover different one 736 736 or you can text us on 0427-154-166. Now it's time for the Hot Topic, Marzi. We'll get straight into it because there's a mountain of sport to cover in this show. We don't have enough time, but we'll get through as much as we can. All thanks to Char Time, the home of freshly brewed tea. Thirst tea at Char Time. Explore our ready-made signature drink range inspired by Char Time fan faves. Let's have a listen to the final seconds of the big game at the G last night. Perhaps the final moment of a thrilling month of crickets. Ben Stokes, ever present, faces up. He swings across the line and hits the winning run. Ben Stokes waves his bat in jubilation to 80,000 at the MCG. And England stands as the dominant force in white ball crickets. They win the T20 World Cup. Go and get the ball, Jared. still alive. And add it to the 50-over title. A triumph 30 years in the making on this ground for England. Jared Waitley and just hats off to the SEN cricket team for the whole tournament. They were unbelievably good. And, uh, yeah, hats off to everyone involved. Um, uh, England, they are the white ball champs. Well, not only white ball, but the uh, 50 over ODI champs Yeah, they use a white well. ball in the 50 over as well. <laughs> <laughs> only, team, <laughs> only team to have done that, um, the whole both crowns yes. at the same time. And they that was back in 2019. So they're doing exceptionally good things in England cricket and uh, their bowling was exceptionally good. Curran was very, very good, but Pakistan's batting – uh, left a little bit to be desired. Some of their decision-making in the big games, that's where people tend to crack, and their batters uh, had a bit of a crack moment there. They, yeah, there was a bit of panic about their batting, some some poor shot selections, as you mentioned, but the bowling of Sam Curran, who was named man of the match, three for 12 off his four. I thought Adil Rashid, two for 22, he was excellent as well and got the uh, big wicket of Barbarazm and uh, the skipper and England... They were just far too good. There was a little bit, little bit of shakiness there, 
Um, and then Ben Stokes. Oh, he's the champion, isn't he? He does it in every level of the game. Big games. Um, there's not too many times in recent memory that he's choked in those big games. He's. Uh, it probably goes back to when they uh, lost the last one. Yes. Uh, when he got smacked all over the place. But... Other than that, um, he has been exceptional in big games. I don't know what he did before the game, uh, but whatever he did, he should do that again because <laughs> he had a fair bit of luck <laughs> during the game. He played and missed at about 10 deliveries. He had a ball down the ground that, that just dropped short and then another one that just went over the head of uh, Barbara's arm. And uh, he, he had some luck, but in the end, he just was, I, I guess, the, the reason England got across the line. He made 52 not out off 49 deliveries. Uh, Josh Butler at the top, 26 off 17 to get them off to a flyer. But um, three, they lost three wickets in the power play, England. And normally when you do that, you don't win many games. Yeah. So Ben Stokes just held strong in the end. Just He was laughing. He was playing and missing that off. <laughs> he started laughing at himself. He, was, he just couldn't get across the line. But uh, in the end, fantastic from him. And... They, yeah, England, it was, it the was, Kings. Well, it's interesting to see because we had talked about in the past that the chasing team typically wins. I think the last nine out of ten, the chasing team has won. So uh, Butler obviously knew those statistics, putting them in uh, the field first and then having to chase down that pretty meagre total of 137. So, yeah, they were they were good. I mean, they had the hiccups, as did every team throughout the tournament, but they, they came through and... Uh, Sad to say, isn't it, that they won it. And their best bowler, Shaheen Afridi, went off injured. He took a catch. He went a sliding catch to remove Harry Brook and just tweaked the leg, went off. He came back on, tried to bowl his last two overs. Two had two overs to bowl, bowled one ball, and then went, no, nah, I can't, which, again, may have cost Pakistan the win as well. It could have. And what about the team of the tournament? You mentioned that Curran uh, won player of the game player of the series. Uh, any, did anyone surprise you? Any omissions that no Australians in that, uh, in that team? That wasn't a surprise. No, <laughs> no. I, I think that the, the team was basically, if you went to 10 people and said, pick the team, eight out, eight of them would have picked that team. Yeah. There, there's, yeah, it was uh, pretty much spot on from the selectors, whoever they were. I don't know who they were, but we've got uh, a caller on the line, Troy from Collie in WA. He wants to talk about uh, the Brownlow betting scandal. Troy, welcome to Sports Day SA. How you going, Bonds and Mari? Hey, Mari, you don't have to answer this, mate, but are you related to Andy? From Andy Martin? No, I'm not. Not that I'm aware of, anyway. Oh. I, I don't think so. There's a right. few of us floating around. Yeah, right answer, mate. Well done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, this betting scandal, my theory was, Betting like anything, boys, is you're prepared to win it. You got to be prepared to lose it. So I don't think there's many people that do that. But this betting scandal, um, I don't think it'll happen. But I, two points I want to make. I hope that the really the AFL should stand, clamp down on the different many bets you had. But I reckon it should be just head to head and the points, and then you get rid of all this what's going on. And the other thing is. I'm really happy that it's been taken out of the um, AFL's hands because we'll really find out what really happened and not, you know, backroom deals and say we're sorry and then we just forget about it and get on with it. 
the rules are quite strict, Troy, in regards to betting. All the players know, all the umpires know, the staff know uh, that you just cannot do it. And I think that's with most sports now, isn't it, Marzi? It is. I was going through it the other day with some people. And um, in basketball, for example, if you play in the NBL 1 competition, you cannot bet on NBL results. You cannot bet on NBA results. Um, even though you've got no impact at all with what the results are going to be, there is, I guess, some little modicum that you might have some inside info, and uh, that runs through all sports. If you're anyway related, you can't bet. Yeah, uh, thanks for your call, uh, Troy. Thanks for your call, Troy. <laughs> and change your name to something different so <laughs> I can say it easier. Uh, thanks, mate. We appreciate it. He's a big supporter of the show, and uh, we love him when he tunes in. All the way from WA, listening on the app. Um Big news again out of the cricket world. Uh, Glenn Maxwell has broken his leg in a freak accident. A freak accident. Well, is it a freak accident? It kind of is, isn't it? It's a funny, not a funny way to break your leg, but... Sure, uh, Glenn's not laughing at the moment. Um, so he was at a friend's 50th birthday party. Yes. Getting on the frothies and, uh, well, and broke his leg. So how do you do that? Well, apparently uh, they're playing beer pong. Oh, there we go. <laughs> okay. So, and, and he wasn't intoxicated. Yep. Um, he was playing beer pong. Allegedly. Alleged, <laughs> allegedly he was cheating right. and got caught. So they were chasing him around He backyard. wasn't uh, Sam Baber and the bing bong balls. No, no, he might have been. Uh, he, and he slipped and oh. the, player, the guy who's – Funny it was, slipped on top of him, broke his leg. Ouch. That's, so uh, that's, it is a freak accident. That's that unfortunate, especially for him because he was in line to have a really big summer. Yes. Um, a lot of things on his plate, potential test, et cetera. And now um, that's all under a massive cloud. Like how many times have Bungie and you chased each other around his backyard? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> While playing beer pong. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, zero. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, maybe during our – he holds an annual Boxing Day cricket game. Yes. Uh, I may have chased him once or twice there. So there you go. But so, uh, no one fell over, thankfully. Yeah. And there was no alcohol involved in that either, was there? Oh, oh, <laughs> I will not mention any more about that story. <laughs> so, look, we wish Maxie a speedy recovery. He's out for eight to 12 weeks. This probably hurts his – like, he's not going to be – part of the big bash, which fans are going to miss out and seeing him there. He's great in that. He might have risked, risked his tour to India as far as the test selection go because I think they were, the Australian selectors were keen to have him in that squad. Well, he's a game changer, isn't he? The, yeah. the power he hits it with, um, the way he approaches the game. He's one of those guys that will just flip a game on its head. So, yeah, that's a big, that's a big out for both the big bash and, unfortunately, the Australian team taking – uh, taking him away. Speaking of cricket, we'll stay on cricket in the in the first mm. part of the show. Um, the Strikers, WBBL, are taking on the heat at Karen Rolton Oval as we speak. The current score after five and a bit overs, uh, the heat are three for 34. So the Strikers need to win this. they got to wash out in New York. That was Nuripa. a shame, wasn't yeah, it? it was. That would have been really good to have a great day up in Nuri. Um, get around, have a look at some of the... The wineries yeah, and uh, go there. watch the cricket. They would have had a great crowd. Yep. Um, that's that's a bummer, that one. Got Very disappointing because it didn't actually rain in Adelaide yesterday, yeah. but it poured uh, in the Barossa. So, so currently the Heat are three for 34. So the strikers going okay early days. That's a good start. Um, more cricket. And it's with a sad heart, Marzi, that uh, I mentioned that the Redbacks have 
lost another game by an innings and 10 runs. They were bowled out for 117 in the second innings after being bowled out for 299. WMA, WA made 444. They had an opening stance of 308. So Whiteman and Bancroft made more than the South Australia put out together. And then... So Whiteman 193, Bancroft 135. That's a decent day in the office, isn't it, for those two blokes? Yeah. They'd be pretty happy coming off of that. Yeah, especially when there was a little bit in the wicket and... Yeah, it's a, you know it was a decent batting wicket, but for South Australia to be South Australia were two for 171 at T on day one as well, and yeah. then bowled out for a 299, uh, and then to be six for 66 at stumps on day three. Yeah, it's not good. It's it's not great. And uh, so what are what are we lacking there, yeah. Bonds? What what do we need to turn around? Uh, obviously, the batting form needs to turn around. Um, Personnel wise, what are your thoughts? Um, they need guys who can who can bat some time, yeah, and they just don't have them, yeah, at the moment. They tried a few different blokes, and and Henry Hunt's been down a little bit on form, and obviously Travis Head and Alex Carey are out of the side with Australian commitments. They play Thursday at the Adelaide Oval, and uh, it's just a sad state of affairs. The Redbacks just can't seem to get it going. Mm. Well, let's hope our big bash. League, the men's yes. can get it going. I was looking through their team uh, the other day. Uh, they're about to hit it off pretty soon. And uh, I think it's one of the best teams I've seen as far as depth in our batsmen and bowlers. It It's a very good-looking team. Yeah, they, sh- they should go right, the strikers, mm. all things being equal. And, again, sort of need Kerry and Head to play a few games. Yeah. But not sure whether that will happen with their Australian commitments. Just mention uh, Ben Menenti, who came over from – New South Wales, five for 107, his first five for. That's so cool. congratulations to Ben. He's playing his uh, second game for South Australia. So get a five for on the whacker. That's not bad. That's not a bad effort. But disappointing. Come on, Redbacks. Come on, Dizzy. <laughs> oh, no. We all love Turn Dizzy and we just want him to see to do so well, but they just have these lapses in sessions and, and the game's over before you blink an eye. Well, quite sad. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope the girls can turn it on. They're doing. They've got a good start against the Heat, so uh, I'm pretty sure that they'll uh, they'll do it right. What's the update? Three for thirty-seven. Uh, Kerr on two, not on three. So um, got off to a reasonable start. Yeah, no, it's a good start for the Strikers, and you can stream every NFL game this season live on NFL Game Pass. Visit nflgamepass.com. This is Sports Day SA. Back after the break. You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Welcome back to Sports Day SA. Paul Bonds and Brett Maher with you. Marzi, it's time for the Kia Top 7. The eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Now, this is all on you tonight, your top seven. And what do you got for us? Well, I thought I'd go for saying it's always controversial when you're picking a top seven, but... Top seven Adelaide Crows of all time. And right. uh, this is a tough one because uh, I have watched them all the way through and you sometimes forget about the early players when you do this and you get you fall in love with the more modern ones. But I've gone – this is in no particular order, let me just say, quickly. Um, Rano Negri make your top seven? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. um, let's go with my running mate, Bungie. Uh, Andrew McLeod, I'm going to whack him in at number one. So this is no order? No order, but he can right. go number one just so I'm in his good books. Um <laughs> But he deserves to be there. Uh, Mark Rusciuto is a clear-cut 
obviously, with the Brownlow medal. Uh, Simon Goodwin uh, loved his uh, loping left long strides, beaming it down on his left foot. Uh, love watching him yep. play. Uh, Tony Modra, um, I think our best has to, forward of all has time. To be in the top seven. Love watching Mods uh, take a hanger. Um, then I've got Sean Wren, uh, of course. I think our best ruckman ever. Uh, he played nine seasons. Looked better was, in a Hawthorne jumper, but very that's good. Okay. <laughs> um, then Darren Jarman, uh, his uh, efforts in the uh, GFs were unbelievable. I would have liked to have seen him play a little bit longer for the Crows. Um, he was very good at Hawthorne he, as well. But yeah, if you didn't have DJ in there, was, there was, you were going to be trouble. No, no he, uh, he was fantastic. And Benny Hart, uh, I've got in there as well, who uh, patrolled the back lines for a lot of years. He's also a, a very good bloke uh, as well. I've got some notable uh, mentions. Okay. Um, Chris McDermott for his early days, the way he set things up and was uh, a stellar leader for the club. Same as Mark Bickley leading us to the flags. Um, and then some guys, uh, more recent guys, Paddy Dangerfield, Tex Walker, Rory Laird, Rory Sloan. I think some of them will potentially maybe Sloaney uh, and Laird are chances maybe in the future of knocking on the door of that list. But uh, that's my top seven. It's not a bad list. So I'll go through it again. So it's Ben Hart, Darren Jarman, Sean Wren, Tony Modra, Simon Goodwin, Mark Rusciuto, and Bungie, Andrew McLeod, number one, the best crow of all time. Mm, there you go. Oh, Tyson Edwards is another one that um, probably deserves to be very close. Yes, yeah, played over 300 games and for the club. And always came second or third um, in their best best players and was a very good player for the club as well. Update from Karen Rolt Noble. The Heat are three for 52 with Amanda Jade Wellington in the attack at the moment. That's uh, eight, almost nine overs gone. So, again, strikers going okay. Um, I just want to mention we got a couple of minutes left before we go uh, to end a break. Um Stevie Spark has been crowned the WBA Intercontinental Super Lightweight Champion for getting thrown out of a boxing ring. <laughs> how does, how, hang on. How does that happen? Like, I've heard of, uh, like, knocking people out, but not getting thrown What happened? Well, thrown well, out of a ring. Was, he was fighting Montana Love, uh, who there was a bit of a head clash early in the fight. Montana Love thought it was intentional, was, lost his stuff, just got furious um, and pushed pushed Stevie, the Aussie, into, <laughs> into the rope and then literally lifted him up and threw him out the ring and he was disqualified. So by default... We're champions. <laughs> we, have a, we have a champion, an Australian champion. And Stevie in 10 Smart. years' time, no one will know how we got it. It's perfect. I no, think that's fantastic. That, it's like the opposite to WWE. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Throwing it, someone out of the ring. That's normally a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... Uh, i tell you what, on the subject of fighting, UFC, I watched the Pereira-Adesanya fight, and that was an absolute cracker with Pereira. If you haven't seen it, Pereira wins. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but an awesome fight in the last round. Um, I would like to have seen, for a title fight in UFC, I know it's gruesome, but I'd prefer to see someone knocked out to win the world championship belt. He still looked like he had a bit to go, Adesanya, but he was uh, he was bobbling around uh, Pereira. So he had the wobbly legs. Pereira did. But you reckon you need to see his eyes shut before? Well, he he still said he had a bit of go, and he's still bobbing around a bit. So okay. 
Uh, but Pereira was very good and a, one of the best fights I've seen for a while on UFC. All right. Uh, three for 52, the Heat playing our strikers down at Karen Rotten Oval. Nine overs down, so they're restricting him. If they can keep him to sort of 120, they should be able to chase that down. Uh, special mention also to the Crows defeating Collingwood in the AFLW um, final. They play the prelim on Friday night against Brisbane at Metricon Stadium. And we might just have a special guest from the Crows AFLW team tomorrow night. And uh, Marcy, this has all been, this segment, it's all been thanks to Toolkit Depot, your trade pro partners. Toolkit Depot, shop for a huge range of tools, equipment, safety gear and workwear. we got plenty more to come after the break. In- this is Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Welcome back to Sports Day SA, and you can discover exceptional customer service at Weeks Homes. Discover different. That's the Weeks open line. And now, on the line, direct from Karen Rolton Oval, down the road, one of our very good friends, Ben Hook. And you can rely on your local Repco Auto Service Centre, uh, your expert car service book, online at repcoservice.com. Hooky, how are you going down there? Paul Bonsor and number five, as I live and breathe, a couple of absolute legends. How are you, boys? Yeah, I tell you what, it's, it's cold down here. The weather is uh, is a little bit threatening, so hopefully we get 40 overs in. Now, the reason um, the reason we got you on was simply because a couple of weeks ago, you sort of mentioned that there might be a big golf tournament coming here to Adelaide, and it was announced this morning that the Live Golf Tournament is coming here to South Australia. Uh, how big is this going to be for the state, Hookie? Well, it, it'll be big for the state. It'll be big for Australian golf bonds. I mean, this will be by far and away, from a financial perspective, the biggest golf tournament Australia has ever seen. It is uh, unusual in the fact that Golf Australia, um, you check the Golf Australia website right now, it, it, it doesn't even mention on their news page because um, this is from the Saudi-backed Rebel League Live Golf, which has been fronted by Greg Norman. Uh, players who have signed up for Live have basically had to give up their traditional golf tour memberships, either with the US PGA Tour or the what was formerly known as the European Tour, which is now known as the the DP World Tour. But it's going to be thirty five million dollars, about four and a half million to the winner. Uh, and if you compare that to the Australian Open, which is run by Golf Australia, which is one point seven million dollar tournament with around about three hundred thousand to the winner. Um, you are talking about two completely different levels of of financial support. So this is this is an enormous tournament. Um, it's got some very big players. It doesn't have all of the big players in the world, of course, but um, it's it's fascinating to see uh, how this will be received, not just here in Adelaide, but right around Australia. You mentioned some money figures there, Hooky. Um, Cam Smith just coming off. A $6 million payday on the live tour, winning a massive tournament. Um, what sort of players, other than Cam Smith, can we see come to this event? Yeah, so we'll keep an eye out for who gets signed to live over the next three or four months because I think we're going to see some other big dominoes drop. Currently, with, um, with Liv, you've got Bryson DeChambeau, who won the US Open in 2020. Patrick Reed, who's previously won the Masters. Sergio Garcia, who's previously won the Masters. Uh, a number of uh, English players who, in particular around Ryder Cups, were very successful. So um, uh, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, 
uh, there's probably a couple of dominoes that we'll keep an eye out. Adam Scott, certainly an Australian name, has been linked to Live Golf in the past, although hasn't uh, signed or or given any indication that he's about to, but certainly his name has been whispered in dispatches. And then the other, probably the biggest name, would be Hideki Matsuyama. Now, Hideki Matsuyama brings a huge Japanese contingent of followers with him, and if uh, Greg Norman could land the Hideki Matsuyama signature, that would be a real game-changer for world golf. What Greg Norman has failed to do is land one of the really, really big fish with strong ties to the US tour. So... Uh, we're talking about Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, of course, who they've thrown all sorts of money at Tiger and haven't been able to get him over the line. And there's, then there's probably three just underneath those two, which is Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, and John Rahm. John Rahm has given some indications that he's been a bit frustrated with the US tour, but if, if, the, if any of those guys were signed, say two of those five guys were signed by Liv, that would break the back of the stranglehold that the US Tour has had on world golf. And we would definitely have to see some sort of compromise from there. So, yeah, it's really interesting. It is splintered at the moment. Live Golf has uh, claimed some scouts, but probably not the real big ones to, to flip the switch on on what will be the epicentre of world golf. Okay, in the terms of major events in this state, the Tour Down Under, Adelaide 500, where does this compare? Uh, look, I think it'll compare pretty well because it'll have some global significance. And again, you know, as, as I said, if you bring Hideki Matsuyama in, you've got um, an, an event that's in Japan's time zone. They will be uh, throwing all sorts of interest at it. But that's really where it stands at the moment is you're, you're going to have to continue to land big name players to continue to grab the interest. The challenge that they have had is that they haven't been able to land a TV deal in the US. So these... Um, you know, hugely wealthy tournaments with a number of very, very good players are actually being shown on YouTube. And the numbers have been pretty poor. Uh, so that's probably what's going to have to be really important. I reckon for the South Australian government and their investment is that it is getting shown on some um, major free-to-air or, or certainly some proper television networks around the world rather than just being streamed through a streaming service like YouTube. So uh, that's where the big dollars come in. That's where... Uh, the South Australian government can certainly leverage the funding that they're putting into this to try and garner some tourism out of it. If it's only being shown on YouTube when we get to April next year, I think that would probably make it a little bit underwhelming from a, from an international hit. I'm not sure if you mentioned Phil Mickelson, but he's another big one that uh, we would hope to see out here. I saw, Hooky, um, some prices banged around for a day pass and an event pass. $35 for a day pass and 80 for event pass. That seems very good value for my liking. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, golf has never attracted huge galleries here in Australia in the last 20 years, but we haven't had the big names either. So I think it is smart marketing. And I noticed that even if you're a member of the Grange, which is hosting the tournament, you'll get three t- a ticket each day for free. So... I think that's really smart is to actually say, righto, year one, let's just make sure we can get as many people inside the grounds and outside the ropes as we possibly can to watch this live. I mean, golf golf's a really interesting sport to watch. I mean, if someone hits a poor shot and they're out in the rough, you can be six feet away from um, watching someone perform th- their actual th- their actual sport from, you know, within a couple of feet away. I mean, you, you think about... 
Paul, you, you and I would be able to talk about this. You're sitting courtside at uh, the Adelaide Entertainment Centre or the powerhouse in its day and see Brett Maher shoot a three from six feet away. That's something pretty special. Well, that's something you get with golf as well, and you don't get that with every sport. So uh, I think it's a really smart idea to try and make it as affordable as possible for people, get them in the gates, and then see if you can't try and leverage those people coming coming in and coming through and, and making golf a bigger sport as a result. Boogie, before we let you go, we know you're in a hurry. Um, what makes Live Golf different to other tour events? Oh, so, it, yeah, there's a couple of things. Firstly, it's it's a restricted field. So uh, generally with professional golf tournaments, you can what's called Monday qualify your way in. So you're a pro golfer, but you don't have status on that tour. You can actually play event, an event on a Monday and there might be three spots to get in. That doesn't happen with Live. There's only 48 players. They're all signed as exclusive Live golfers, if you like. Uh, they play three-day 54-hole events, and they're played in teams, which is unusual. So golf we've traditionally understood to be a very much an individual sport. So they do have an individual component to these tournaments, but each of the 48 players are grouped into 12 teams of four, and they have a teams component as well. So generally, the three scores, the best three scores from your four players each day are taken as being what your team score is. And so that's added a bit of a dimension to it as well. They actually had some match play events. So traditionally, golfers played a stroke play, play at 18 holes. Whoever has the lowest score is the winner. But in match play, it's head-to-head. So Ben Hook versus Brett Maher, for example. And when Brett wins a hole, he might have a four and I might have a 10, but it's only worth one hole. And you can play some head-to-head matches like that. And um, what the one thing that Liv has brought into it is those match play style events with their teams uh, as part of the way of determining teams' titles. So uh, we won't see that at Grange. It'll be very much an individual stroke play event with that team component mixed into it without the match play. But that's, there, there are some quite significant differences to the way that traditional golf is played with the way that we'll see Liv here in Adelaide in um, four months' time. Hooky, uh, thanks for your time, mate. We know you're, you, you're running out of time very quickly. And uh, once again, well done for uh, putting this out there and, and, and getting the story first on uh, Sports ASA. No, my pleasure, boys. Great to chat and go well. Thanks, Hooky. Ben Hook there, uh, just talking about the Live Golf Tournament that was announced today at the Grange Golf Club. It's going to be held in April 21 to 23, three-day tournament instead of a four-day tournament. Um, there's a bit of, a bit of I, I guess, a bit more... Um, I guess bravado, and they have big stage and, and music, music and, and all sorts of things. There's probably there might be a concert on the Saturday night at the golf course. Who knows? But uh, looking forward to that. I'm I'm definitely there. I love it. Uh, you, I mean, there's a the bit of noise in the background about the whole live golf, but uh, I think to get a major golf tournament here in Australia is a is an awesome star. You add that to the TDU, the Adelaide 500 the magic round or whatever they're going to call it for the AFL. Um, we're really starting to get some big events here, and I think just keep it going. Keep them coming. Get the Commonwealth Games. Get some other big ones, and it's great for the state. Bringing people in, it creates a vibrant atmosphere. I love it. Yeah, it certainly does. And speaking of the extra round in AFL, our next guest uh, we've got is from the Norwood Football Club, the CEO of the Norwood Football Club, James Fantasia. He's brought to us by Tire Power. Brands you can trust, like Maxxis Tyres, big holiday sale is on now, so don't forget to uh, check them out. But, James, welcome to Sports Day SA. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on tonight. Uh, Now, we wanted to speak to you with the extra round of footy. There's talk about where games will be played. Um, But first, before we talk about a possible game at Norwood, let's have your thoughts on 
the extra round or magic round or whatever we're going to call it, the festival of footy. What are your thoughts? And what do you think? Yeah, well, uh, look, I think um, I'm, I'm a bit like everyone. I, I could, I'm really excited about the concept and, um, and I'm delighted that it's coming to South Australia. I think as a state, I know we're biased and I know we're here, but as a state, you know, we really embrace innovation and we embrace football. So I'm so excited that, uh, you know, we get to be the first to, to, you know, to roll it out. And obviously I'd love, you know, the Nord Football Club to be part of that as well, where, you know, we can share in, uh, in potentially getting some football games played at, at, at the ground at Cooper Stadium and, but also even have some association to those AFL clubs. And I, I think, you know, it gives us a chance to get a bit closer to them as well. James, what's the uh, process for a club team in Adelaide? Uh, what's the process to go through to even be considered to host one of these games? Have you started that negotiation yet? Where are you at? Where are you at? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Brett. Well, you know, I think we're all, I think all the clubs are pretty keen to, you know, to be part of it, to be honest. I mean, from, from our point of view, we're kind of pushing our points of differences. You know, we, we have when we do host AFLW games, so it's given us a little bit of a, I, I think, a little bit of a head start there. You know, we've actually got some compliances around with our redevelopment that we were able to do at the ground. We've, some of our uh, compliances meet the AFL regulations, so in terms of change room sizes and, you know, those type of things. And we're, we're pretty fortunate, mate, that, you know, we've also just had a redevelopment at the ground. You know, the Wolf Blast Community Centre gives us a function room uh, but also it's upgraded all the, the gym, uh, the, the, all the player facilities. You know, we've gone to unisex uh, in terms of our utilities for our players. Um, and the other exciting thing for us, of course, is we, we've got an, a LED screen uh, scoreboard and LED ribbon around the ground, but we've just uh, installed new LED lights. So we, we in fact, um, could meet the, the qualification for uh, televised games. You know, I think you need about 1,500 lux. So, um, so from that point of view, we're, we're at the Norwood Club. We're, we're pushing like mad, uh, trying to just highlight our points of differences. Um, but that said, look, I, I think uh, any clubs that could you know, have have the opportunity to host, I think it would just be a terrific fillet for for them as well. I didn't know the new lights were in, James. That's good news, especially from a commentator sitting from <laughs> looking in the other side <laughs> of the ground. It was a little bit well, dark in patches well, last year, but uh, that's great yeah. news for for the Norwood Oval and for Cooper State Cooper Stadium that uh, uh, that the lights are up. Um, have they been tested yet? Yeah, well, we literally are in testing phase. We've had two commissioned, and uh, the other two will start this week. And um, so, so it works kind of interestingly because you know we're moving into the world of LED and. All of a sudden, uh, we don't need 15 minutes to to start up our lights. We can turn them on and off, like you know, like a light switch, and you can you can dim them. Uh, we could play music and actually have strobe uh, facility against it as well. So it's a it really is a game changer in that sense. Um, but what I love is that we've, as a club, you know, we've we've always promoted uh, well for a long time. You know, we've been a real trailblazer in in night football and night sport. So um, you know, getting the the most state of art. You know, and this is all through our sponsorship with Velo, and uh, they're a very progressive company. You know, they've taken on the the race, um, and uh, they've supported us uh, with, with those lights. So it's it's just been, um, yeah, it's a real game changer, I think. It's um, sounding like you're a little bit ahead of the pack with the with the lights, the change rooms. What other uh, things do the AFL take into consideration for venues as far as upgrades? What other standards do you have to meet? Uh, to try and get on that list? 
Yeah, and, and that's a good a good point because, you know, we've been very fortunate. Uh, we've got a great relationship with our council, our local council, and I'm kind of hoping, again, that we might be seen as a, uh, a bit of a case study for other councils because most, most SNFL grounds are, you know, council-owned owned assets, um, you know, and, and most of them are like the jewel in the crown in that local community. So wouldn't it be great to see all of those um, get slightly upgraded? And when you talk about the qualifications, I think, um, look, the AFL are quite stringent now about, you know, the, the level of um, infrastructure. So, but they're also wary that not everyone can accommodate that in the, in the first instance. So they will make concessions. Um, but also what they will do, if, if uh, they think you're the right venue, that they'll also support you as well. Um, you know, for example, I know that clubs over the over the years um, at Richmond Oval and even at Unley, I think they've replaced goalposts uh, for them um, at their cost, at their AFL cost, and they because they need to be elevated another, you know, 20 metres higher, for example. Um, so, so in some cases, the AFL will actually support you in terms of, um, you know, uh, helping you with your facilities and and trying to upgrade them in some shape or form. Um, and in fact, look, they, they actually, I should have acknowledged that, that the AFL uh, indeed, um, you know, provided 150000 towards our, our redevelopment. Um, that was, uh, that fell in probably close to $12 million at the end. But uh, it just gives you some concept that, yeah, they take it quite seriously and they're, they're all about making sure that fans have, uh, are comfortable and, um, and certainly that the players uh, have got a, a playing field and an operation that, that provides uh, a safe environment for them. How many fans can you fit in there, James, at, at Coopers? 100,000. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Very small fans, obviously. <laughs> like I could throw that in. Um, oh, look, you know, it, it, that's a really interesting question because we, had the, uh, we hosted the AFLW, uh, the Crows game, early in the piece. Um, and, and in more modern times, we had close to like 13,000. Um, and it was tight, you know. But I remember playing and, and being a kid, you know, uh, going to, to Norwood Oval regularly. Um, and we would get, you know, they'd have eighteen to 20,000 on a quite a regular basis back in the day. So, look, I think we'd probably fall. Well, what we do have at Norwood is we, we're lucky we've got um, nearly 6,000 that can be undercover. So we've got two grandstands, which is, which is terrific. Uh, by the way, one of those grandstands at Western Stand, I know this is a biased comment, boys, but <laughs> it's as good a place to watch football as anywhere in Australia. And having been a, a recruiting manager at the Crows for 12 years and been at nearly every ground in Australia at least three times, um, I can honestly say that is it's still the best viewing uh, platform to watch a game of footy. You're literally sitting on it. Um, but I should also add... There's not many grounds in Australia that you can run into a brick wall if you're a player. So, <laughs> I, um, yeah, probably wouldn't get away. I just it. toughens <laughs> them up, James. Toughens them up. <laughs> I can look. Up. I will back you up there. We we call the sample <laughs> games from the middle of, of that Western Stand, and it is great viewing from from that area. So uh, yeah, you're spot on there. Yeah, it's quite remarkable. So you know, we boast all those things, but but the truth is, you know, across the board, and I'm not just saying this. Uh, you know, we, we're very proud of uh, across. The, the SNFL and our, all of our clubs, we, we're very lucky. We've got some terrific facilities. I, I just, I'm really looking forward to, uh, as I said, to perhaps some councils now taking even, you know, a bigger position with our SNFL clubs across everyone and, and bringing it to another level. Um, you know, not, because I think that's an important part of, of uh, 
you know, you know the progression and, and being part of that that player pathway or the the career pathway. So um, yeah, and, and and we've done it. So we're hoping, uh, as I said, that that might help us in the short term. Um, you know, get get some of these games and, and and encourage more people to go to the footy. Well, you do such a great job of attracting people uh, to the Red Legs games. So what what would it mean financially for the club? Um, to get this game or to get one of these games um, out at uh, Nord Oval? Oh, look, again, I think that's they're significant because for, for clubs uh, like ours, I mean, you know, we're all non-for-profits and um, if we could get a crowd of, say, ten to 15,000 and, you know, you're working on, say, oh, $10 a head, you know, $10 per person, um, it can be quite a significant intake for a, for a club that would be close to, you know, one of our... Uh, that, that would be a main game for us. Um, so, so it is significant in terms of just being able to support your programs because, you know, as I said, all those, all, all of us are, are non-for-profits. When we do do okay, it goes back into community and it goes back into those development um, leagues and so forth. So, um, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not really sure of what that what that deal would look like, but we, as we work with the AFL, we tend to be able to look after the food and beverage um, and the gate goes back to the club or to the league. Right. So um, some idea. Yeah, yeah. Do you know when roughly a timeline as to when there might be an announcement as to where these games will be played? Uh, my, my understanding is there's an AFL contingent that are coming over this week, um, and I think there's three games that they're looking for. Uh, it might be four. And they uh, will will determine uh, that most likely, hopefully, hopefully by the end of this week. If not, it'll be sometime next week where they they might make those announcements. Um, and I, and to be to be frank, I'm not sure how that would look in terms of, you know, you would think uh, the the type of games that they might offer you might um, might be say the interstate clubs that might not have the same number of followers uh, locally. So it wouldn't put as much strain on you. Um, you know, might have slightly lower crowds, but but you would think that every game would would be upwards of ten thousand. So, um, and knowing knowing the South Australian public and how we all get we're all so uh, behind our sport, I just think it'll be an enormous weekend for everyone. I think we need to get behind it. I think it's a great initiative, and um, I would love to see it as an annual event as well. Something that um, yourselves could build on each year and make bigger and better. And as you said keep getting better and better facilities for the club and the fans to come along to. How about um, the Red Legs? How are they looking in the off-season? Have you uh, picked up any uh, superstars? Yeah, look, we're working our way through that. Um, most years, we're very fortunate, and probably most clubs are the same, to be honest. We, we tend to get uh, one or two players returning from AFL as well. Um, so that's always a little bonus. For us right now, we've, we get back Jackson Callow. Uh, Jackson got picked up in the uh, pre, uh, sorry, the mid-season draft a couple of years ago by Hawthorne, um, and look, it, it 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 made a significant impact on us, uh, to be honest, because you know we lost this key forward who's kicking three goals a game. Um, but look, we get him back, and that's uh, that's very exciting for us. Uh, and we've got a couple of other young lads that are coming back from uh, from AFL, and there's about a ha- half a dozen that we've. Um, Pretty much got locked and loaded, but we, we'll, we'll, we'll release those over the next couple of weeks once we've uh, bedded it in properly. But um, we haven't had a big, we haven't had too many uh, that have retired or, or left. We've um, 
but we've been able to replace everything that we have so far. So we're, we're pretty excited about uh, where we're at at the moment, that's for sure. Premiership uh, always sounds good when you've just won the Premiership. You are the defending champions of the Sandful. Uh, how's the coach going? How's Twig uh, lining up for this year? Oh, look, he's been terrific. Um, you know, it's a thoroughly... Uh, I'm, I'm just so wrapped for him, to be honest. I mean, he's, he's made a lot of sacrifices. His family lives in Tasmania. They're, they're going to come over at the end of this year. Um, but, you know, that's a big strain. And he's just such a um, an amazing coach. I've been around AFL Systems and, you know, obviously um, around SNFL for some time. And, yeah, I find him to be, uh, you know, right at the top of that tree. His, um, his ability to, to form relationships but then drive the standard, I think, is exceptional. And his experience in the game, uh, he's able to put together, you know, just an outstanding program. Uh, really helps develop young men, not just on the field, I think off the field too. So from that point of view, I think he's in a really good place. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're very fortunate, I think, you know, just uh, to have him and, um, and just to watch what he can or how we can support our club and, and make us better, which is which is uh, which is always exciting. Yeah, James, appreciate your time, and hopefully, on your for your sake and all for the Norwood fans' sake and the club, that you do get this uh, game at Norwood Oval come April next year. Uh, all the best, James. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks, Paulie. Yeah, and, and look, mate, we're, we're looking forward to, but we're hoping you know just any of the clubs get a get a look in on this would be. Is pretty exciting in itself. So, uh, but we have got our fingers and our toes crossed. Yes, absolutely. James Fantasia, CEO of the Norwood Footy Club. Uh, well, fingers crossed for the Norwood Footy Club, mate. I think it sounds like they're ahead of the pack, doesn't it? They're doing some really good things down there, and not only for them, it'll be so exciting for the state to get this uh, coming in. And we are almost out of time, my friend. Thanks a lot for coming in and uh, co-hosting with me. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's been fun. Plenty of sport happening and uh, go strikers as well. Thanks for listening to Sports ASA tomorrow. Dan Menzel joining me. You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.